So it's time for another series. It's finally done and ready to be recorded. So here we go. Uh, what's up, friends? How's it going? My name is John. My name is John, and I was uh, trained as a pastor. And this is one of the ways I try to give something back. But hold on. Let's say you've got a bad taste in your mouth because of bad churches or bad explanations of Jesus. I'm deliberately trying to subvert those bad experiences and implant or provide a better one. And that's exactly what this is. This is uh, the Ambushed Podcast, where I try to ambush you with a brand new idea or angle or talk in some capacity about faith. Now, you might be able to hear that there's some birds outside because it's gorgeous and I have the windows open. But this is the first in a series which I'm going to call Reframing and then there's going to be subtitles to each of them. But the idea is uh, I'm deliberately trying to reframe the way that people understand parts of uh, the Bible or understand Jesus or understand what spirituality is or understand what religion is because as I have been a part of all of this Jesus tradition and worldview for so long, my God, I get so bored with hearing the same types of comments over and over and over. And I, I honestly don't really fault many people for walking away from the church for feeling bored by it because it is often talked about in such a boring way. But this is the first of what I'm going to call framing. And so it's framing part one, but the subtitle is awesome, isn't it? It is uh, Rafiki, Yoda, Gandalf, and Jesus, because there's something similar about all of those figures. So I'm going to go through each of them and then uh, try to draw some connecting lines between them, all of them. And hopefully by the end, you will want to go back and look at Rafiki again, look at Yoda again, look at Gandalf again, and then maybe even go look at Jesus again. Are you ready? Here we go. Thank you for listening. And man, this is just fun. I hope you have a good time. Rafiki uh, is one of the main characters of the Lion King movie. And yes, there's a new version of it coming out in a few weeks or months. I don't know. It's coming out in the summer of 2019. But Rafiki is this wild monkey that shows up. He's in the very opening scene of The Lion King, the animated movie by Disney, which is really like Shakespeare's Hamlet and rough sketches put to animated form and with the music of Elton John. But Rafiki is there because he's seen as the figure of nature of spirituality of whatever you want to say because it's it's a little he's a little bit like a witch doctor i guess you could say even though it's all an animal kingdom he's definitely like a witch doctor but he shows up at very key points throughout the story and it's 
profound and it's hilarious every time that he shows up because Simba, the main character, who's a lion that's running away from responsibility, runs into Rafiki and Rafiki just has his, these, his way with words is just perfect and it, he uses paradox and he throws out these little odd proverbs and Simba, the main character, does not understand it immediately. But there's a few instances where Rafiki completely changes Simba's worldview. And there's a few things that you got to know about Rafiki. He's absolute he might be absolutely crazy. He's just absolutely kooky. He's completely unpredictable, but he's at least in the kingdom, he's incomparably wise. His craziness helps him to live almost on the edges of the kingdom, but it also helps him to have some distance from everything where he can speak into everything with this deep, deep, kooky, crazy, wild wisdom, right? So I probably should say Rafiki or Lion King was the first movie I saw. I was like, man, I love that character, Rafiki. I remember being about maybe nine and seeing that in the movie theater. And I was just, man, Lion King is just amazing. But then my cousins loved Star Wars and I looked up to them, but I mean, it wasn't hard before long I got sucked into Star Wars too. And with the original trilogy, so that's episodes four, five, six, that's a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, I got sucked in. And honestly, it makes so much sense why those movies have made such cultural impact in the West. And there's another character. In Empire Strikes Back, Yoda is this short, green, little alien who, when you first meet him, you think he's just like a recluse and a hermit. He's just lost his mind because he's probably been alone for so long. But then you find out it was all a ruse. And then you find out that this odd green little character is amazingly powerful, but also a master at the deeper things in the universe. And so the main character of that trilogy is Luke Skywalker. And Yoda shows himself to know everything about what Luke is trying to learn. And in the midst of trying to be immediately seen as a hermit and an oddball, Yoda shows to be, like I said, a master. Just a master at everything Luke wants to learn. And then, as I was ending up towards the end of high school, my group of friends and I, each December, we would go and see the next Lord of the Rings movie as it came out. And Peter Jackson did, I think, a, a fairly great depiction of the Lord of the Rings books into movies. Of course, he had to leave some things out because movies can't be five hours long each, even though he tried with the extended version. 
still, Gandalf is one of the best characters probably in all of fantasy literature. In fact, when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, there were probably three people I met. They're all going by the name Gandalf. And apparently every year there's people that walk in the woods and they just want to be called Gandalf because he's a wizard. He's one of the five wizards that were sent to Middle-earth in the Lord of the Rings world. And he is, well, he's a figure, that, but he, he's a calm and learned person. And he calls these little hobbits, they're like short humans. He calls these hobbits forward to go on their own journey themselves. And he doesn't always force them, but he pushes them and he tries to be the voice of reason. But he calls them forward and says, you have tasks that you need to do. All right. So we just briefly chatted about Rafiki and Yoda, and then Gandalf. So what do these three have to do with Jesus? All right. Well, if you haven't noticed, some people are mystified by talking about Jesus because he's a figure from history, not fictional. There's even non-Christian accounts that say that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth that lived. And in fact, from all of the church documents and the fact that the church exists at all points to the reality that there was a guy named Jesus that launched a movement that gave birth to all these churches that then spread all throughout the Roman Empire in the first century. But Jesus... uh, he kind of had some elements just like Rafiki and Yoda and Gandalf. Jesus, in all of the Gospels, which are the biographies of Jesus, he seems completely unpredictable. Whenever people think that they know what Jesus is going to do, he surprises them by doing something completely other, by doing something completely different. Jesus shows himself to be a master of the deeper things. And, and shows to be very well-learned and at least com- very much understands the things that it seems as though all the people were trying to figure out. In fact, not just the Jewish people, but even non-Jewish people in Jesus' day were attracted to him because he was a master storyteller and he was full of wisdom and just had a way with words. And in some sense... He was kind of like Gandalf, or rather Gandalf is kind of like him. Jesus came first. But Jesus calls people forward to go on their own adventure. In the beginning of some of the Gospels, he calls these fishermen to leave everything and come and follow him. And then towards the end of some of the Gospels, he leaves and he says, all right, now the task is on you to do with the teachings that I've given you, whatever you want to do with them but it's now up to you. Go to the corners of the world. Now, like I said, Jesus seems to have some elements of Yoda and Rafiki and Gandalf, but 
really these we need these types of figures and granted the first three were from movies or books we all need people that know how to speak the words to us in the right way and this sounds this sounds com- <laughs> completely weird but it's kind of like a wizard we all need wizards and I know some of you might roll your eyes because you're like, oh my goodness, this guy, he's talking about Star Wars and wizards and crazy monkeys and he's connecting them to Jesus. But hear me out. At bare minimum, if you strip away all of the mythology around uh, however you understand a wizard, right? Like Harry Potter type. Wizards are the ones that speak the specific incantation that breaks the spell that holds us back. And there's in a, in a kind of a poetic sense, Rafiki was kind of a wizard. He spoke the spell that broke the other spell that called Simba forward. Gandalf is just a straight up wizard. So of course he uses spells and he uses his power and his influence to make things happen. But also the same thing with Yoda. He's incomparably wise. And even he knows how to tap into the deep. Well, they don't call it magic because it's in Star Wars. But the force, this energy beneath and behind and sustaining all things, he uses it to make good things happen. Jesus is very similar. And in this poetic sense, yes, I'm going to say it. Jesus is kind of a wizard. But he's a wizard of words because he's the wizard with wisdom. And I don't really care how you've been shown Jesus. I'm pretty certain very few of you have ever been told that Jesus was a wizard in this sense. But, but Jesus knew how to speak the words that would challenge people, that would cause them to grow. He spoke in these odd paradoxical comments where it's kind of like, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll save it. It's like, what the heck does that mean? But there's also other instances where he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Like All of these are odd statements that you, you, you need full paragraphs in order to understand. But we all need people that um, can invite us into growth, into a larger world, into having like a deeper soul, into having a more meaningful connection with everything and everyone. And speaking of reframing everything, I wonder how do you understand the role and goal of Christian spirituality. Because for me, very close to the Christian tradition is the idea that Christian spirituality is all about growth. It's about maturity. It's about becoming more and more real, not more and more fake. It's about coming together and recognizing the wholeness and holiness of everything and everyone. And recognizing that God is deeply a part of all of that. And there's even this quixotic and odd phrase 
that shows up in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is one of the the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to a town called Ephesus. And in there, he's trying to overcome a racial divide between the Jewish people and those who are not Jewish. Because there is rampant racism, as if that doesn't... Huh, does that apply today? But anyways, Paul's saying... God wants to create a new humanity in Christ. Now, granted, the context of that passage says it's about overcoming racial divisions. But I wonder if there's something deeper and more profound than that happening. Maybe, maybe Christian spirituality is all about teaching us a new way to be human. That's it. Like there's, we've seen the old ways of how to go about being human and we see that it doesn't work. And so Jesus came to show us a new way of being human in Christ. And so Christian Christian spirituality is all about how to learn and how to become and how to embody and then how to pass on what it means to be a part of this new humanity. Not in Adam, but in Christ who is the Adam that always should have been. So here's something to think about. I have been saying in a number of these episodes in the past that anything that gets you closer towards health and holiness is sacred. Everything that gets you a little closer to health and holiness, that's that's in the direction of God. And so therefore, everything that's in the opposite direction of health and holiness is the opposite direction of God. I would like to say, learn to recognize in the moment when someone is being a Christ figure to you. When, when somebody's being a, a serious wizard with words that's speaking the right words at the right time in the right way, in the right tone to cause you to want to go towards health and holiness. Because there's a good chance that the Spirit of Christ is everywhere. And it, sometimes it takes for someone who's completely unpredictable, who's like a weird little person, somebody who is like an ancient, ancient person with a beard, with a, like a wizard. We all need to pay attention to when someone is speaking into our life in such a way that it causes us to chase after health and holiness. So I have, I have written down a few things here. So learn to recognize in the moment when someone is being a Christ-like figure to you. And this, this could be in movies. This could be in newspaper. It could be in books. It could be on a TV show, on a commercial. It could be the odd person that you see at work. It could be somebody that you pass by on the road. Anything that jogs your memory or anything that causes you to change the way that you think, repent, um, that person is being a Christ-like figure to you and is acting, whether they know it or not, consciously or unconsciously, 
and the Spirit of Christ. And so don't discredit the Spirit of Christ just because it comes to you in a way that might be unpredictable. You didn't plan for it. It seems odd or it seems crazy. It seems weird. But you know what? If someone's talking to you in such a way that they're they're beckoning and inviting you to be called forward out of your comfort zones and into some larger journey or adventure, even if they're using odd parables or these weird proverbs that maybe you've never heard before, sometimes all we need is just someone to say the phrase in the right way at the right time of day for us to completely change our worlds. I mean, it could very well be someone is smoking and then someone says, hey, idiot, stop smoking. Chances are your mom has probably told you to stop smoking, but the fact is this person said it in the right way at the right time in such a way that it changed your world. You're like, oh my God, I am an idiot. I need to stop smoking. And then your mom can say, I've been saying this this whole time. It's like, yeah, but it's sunk in this time. It's sunk in. So I, I think all I wanted to say in this is pay attention and go back and reread or re-listen to some of the words of Jesus. But, but do it in this way. Go back and pay attention to what he's said and done and try to figure out like how is this action or how is this phrase or how is this parable that he says, how is it calling the original hearers, the original audience, how is it calling them to grow into health and holiness? How is it making them want to change their lives? Because, listen, there's there's gurus and there have been witch doctors and there have been Merlins and Gandalfs and Rafikis and Yodas and all these figures happen all around the world. Every major world religion seems to have its own set of oddballs that somehow seem to be a little ahead of the curve. You know what I mean? And what I want to say is that's kind of right. Usually it's the people who are ahead of the curve who are the ones who are most misunderstood. And so if you come around to looking and reading about Jesus in such a way that you don't think that he's ahead of the curve, you're probably reading him wrong. Or let's say somebody were to say, there's nothing unique about Jesus because there's been figures like him who have been like wizards with their words and invited people to health and holiness and growth all around the world. And I say, that's right. That's right. Every single one of them have been speaking in the spirit of Christ, whether they know it or not, consciously or unconsciously. And so this is why it's so profound when we say Jesus was the Christ. Jesus was the incarnate principle that's present all around the world that invites people into health and holiness. Jesus is the Christ made flesh 
in human form. Like, oh my gosh, this global universal principle of health and holiness and inviting people into growing and into their own adventure. That was made into this person from Jesus, named Jesus. So all I wanted to do, this whole series is just going to be called Reframing because I want to try to give another angle to Jesus, to Bible, to the journey, to so many things. So buckle in. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this one because this one was kind of fun to to do because I got a chance to talk about Rafiki and Yoda and Gandalf and connect them to being Christ-like figures. (laughs) But it's all good. Um, So let's finish with a benediction. May you, the listener, keep your eyes and your ears open to recognize when someone is relating to you in a way that is worthy of the Spirit of Christ. May you not fight, but instead open yourself up to the invitation into further health and holiness with every step, with every breath. May you follow the Spirit of Christ wherever it comes, through every oddball interaction or every odd proverb that you hear. May you follow the directions of the Spirit of Christ. May grace and peace be with you.